You're listening to CounterTalks, Canada's podcast for the equipment and event rental industry. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hey folks, it's Pat Flannery coming at you again. And today I have with me Don Bloomer. Don is a uh, business consultant. I, I, well, I'm going to let her describe what uh, what what she is and what she does. Uh, probably better than I am, but I I think of her as a business consultant, and uh, she has um, I I think some really sort of excellent and some thoughts. Like you know, while we're while we're sitting out on the dock or while we're you know having having a beer uh, on the beach, uh, uh, it, it's summertime. It's time to think the big thoughts and 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 contemplate our lives and our existence as we're at our camps and cottages and uh, and and so Don Don's going to give us some food for thought uh about our businesses maybe rather than working in our businesses as we always say and uh and so uh, welcome Don it's uh, it's great to have you with us Well it's great to be here Pat and as we were talking about in the uh intro before we got on the call um you know I'm originally from Canada and so Cottage country, Muskoka, very near and dear to me. Yes, I, uh, yes, I, yes. Grimsby, Ontario, ladies and gentlemen. I was, uh, I was, big, I'm a small town girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big city of Grimsby, uh, <laughs> the metro, greater, greater metropolitan Grimsby. Yeah, greater uh, metropolitan Grimsby. Yeah, it hasn't really grown a whole ton. Yeah, there hasn't been too, there hasn't been too much. But now, but now coming to us from California, Don. Yes, whereabouts are you? Yes. So I'm in Manhattan Beach, California. So speaking of the beach, lovely mm. out here. So mm. I may not be close to cottage country, but I am close to the beach. So I I moved out here 20 something years ago because I had a job where I worked outdoors all the time and I wanted to be where the weather was good, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Working outdoors in Grimsby is Ontario, great. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outdoor work in Grimsby is great two months of the year. And then you got the rest. <laughs> Yeah. So I actually, I, I, I've had a bunch of different, as we were chatting about earlier, a bunch of different jobs in my life, but my, my, my original career, if you will, was as a veterinarian for racehorses. So for more than 20 years, I was a veterinarian for racehorses and that's pretty much what brought me to California. That um, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. weather's great here year round for racing. And so, yeah. um, it was a great gig. And for a, for a long time, I mean, I think when I was six, I decided I wanted to be a horse doctor. And so ultimately I did. I went to, I went to Guelph as one does. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Mario Veterinary College. Yeah. Did the thing. And then, um, and then ended up out here. And I think the interesting thing about becoming a business owner, you know, as a professional who is in a highly trained field is that you, know, you go into it thinking, well, you know, like how hard can it be? So when right. I bought into um, our practice, the, the group practice that I worked at about five years, five years into my time there, um, I was just having my first child. I was um, on my second marriage of three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what small business ownership does. You really are a small business owner. Yeah. <laughs> small business owner. Yeah. I've got scars and all the things to prove it. Uh -huh. Um so, so I, I, when I bought into the business, you know, I mean, I paid what more than what a lot of people pay for their first home and did it really so in such a naive fashion. When I look back, um, it, it's amazing that I did it at all, but mm -hmm. it seemed like a great idea at the time. And it was, it was, I mean, it gave me opportunities. Like I think most of us get into small business ownership because, we feel like, well, this is what I want to do. And so why wouldn't I do it for myself? Right. Mm -hmm. Clearly, I, you know, the business will be better if I'm helping to run it. Right. <laughs> it seems obvious. Mm -hmm. um, or so we think going into it. And uh, so, so I went in and was, you know, all excited about being a business owner and it was a lot of fun because the learning curve was really steep and I know you've talked about how you're really curious and, you know, I'm a very curious person. So I was always interested in learning more and more about how the business ran. And in addition to all the other things I was learning as a veterinarian. And I think, you know, what I found as time went on was that our biggest challenge was our lack of business acumen. You know, as much as the business, when things were flush, did very well, like it was really for a long time, easy to make money doing what we were doing. 
Um, the industry was thriving. Um, you know, we had more work than we knew what to do with. We were able to find staff. Um, we didn't have challenges with that at the time. And so for a long time, you know, things were just cherry, right? Yeah. And then 08 hit and everybody was struggling, but right. we were doing okay for a while. I think because we had a lot of clients who were, who had disposable income, right? You know, they talk about horse racing being the sport of Kings. You know, I think we had a lot of people that were okay for a while, but there was a little bit of a delay and then things started to get a little tougher. And that was when I decided that it would be a good idea to get more formal education and business. And I went back and got my MBA. Well, went back. I took it my MBA online. You know, thankfully by then we actually had online training and I didn't yeah. have to do the correspondence route like the old days, um, <laughs> dating myself. But uh, so I I got my MBA and then I was like, wow, we really do have some work to do here. Like we could be in tr trouble because our industry was changing, the regulations were changing, you know. Horse racing in particular, veterinary medicine in general, but horse racing in particular is a highly regulated sport Okay, um, all the time. So just like a lot of other small business owners have to deal with regulatory issues in their area, we had a lot of regulatory things that we had to stay on top of. Um, and, uh, you know, not just your usual HR stuff, but things actually related to the way we managed our cases. So... I think that what I learned slowly about business ownership was even if you think that you're doing really well, um, the best solution isn't necessarily just putting your head down and working harder and hoping that means you're going to do better in the end. Because that was our solution for a long time. We were like, well, we'll just do more work. We'll bill more stuff. We'll sell more something. We'll do more whatever. And that sort of putting your head down and just working harder it works to a point, right. Right? right? And then at some point, like you can't do more in a day yeah. and you can't bill more in a day. And, and, and then you max out. And at that point is, is when I started to get burned out. It's that difference between strategy and, and like you say, just, just, just grinding it out. And I, I, I'd like something, I think something you said there I, I could relate to uh, uh, a lot of our listeners here. Um, um, you know, sometimes when people are, are very technical and they're in a niche field that requires a, a, a lot of understanding, a lot of learning, uh, uh, possibly a lot of education, or at least a lot of experience as, uh, as, as really everyone listening to this podcast will be in that category. It's it's very easy to be focused uh, at the initially when, when you're when you're starting out on the important thing is that I get the the technical side right. The important thing is that I is that I do the work right and that I and that I know what I'm doing and that I don't I don't make critical mistakes and that the quality is good and that and that and that I, and that I do all this stuff. And and yeah, it the the idea is to is to take for granted or hope you can get how would I put it cheap help on on the business side of things um to 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 just because that that to you is that that to you is the sideline and all of this is perfectly it's like the necessary evil right it's like yeah, yeah. you feel like well it's got to be done like we've got to have a bookkeeper we or we've got to have the books done mm -hmm. um you know there are things that have to happen but you don't see the importance of it in the moment you're absolutely right yeah yeah i think i think that's i think that's really uh, i think that's really a common thing and so well that that's what brings us here today is uh, is to is to try to think of think think of some strategy, uh, maybe think of some things that uh, that that people can do to uh, to to help them help themselves out, you know, as well as as well as their business. To, to, because I I don't think people who are stressed out and running their asses off, getting getting the little day to day done, are 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 doing themselves any favor in their businesses. Um, I, I think they're I, I think they're 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 burning themselves out and they're probably not as effective as they could be. Um, so, uh, so we're, we're, we're going to talk a little, a bit about that, it, but I mean, it, get, so, so give me, give give us though a little picture of, 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 of some of the work you've been doing, some of the things you've been thinking and talking about and, and, and publishing. I think you, I don't, I don't you had, you have, you have some online stuff, at least, uh, yeah. uh, out there resources for people. Um, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been thinking and talking about, uh, as you, uh, as you try to help out small business owners, Don. Sure. So for me, I think it's always good to have sort of a 30,000 foot view of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that um, 
there are certain things that have to happen in your business, but sometimes to your point, they get lost in the shuffle where you're really, really busy. So for me, I think what happens often as super busy business owners, the first thing we don't have a real, we don't set aside time for is to think about what we really want. Like, like when you bought your business or you started your business or you took over your business, you probably knew what your why was, like why you did it, right? But I feel like one of the things that really gets lost along the way often is we get so busy in the how, like how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? That we lose track of why. And when we lose track of why, we often end up working on initiatives or things that are not really in alignment with what we want at the end of the day. So I always think that the number one thing that we need as small business owners is clarity on what we want out of our business. We spend a lot of time making sure, you know, what do our employees want? Whatever they but really at the end of the day, what do we want the business to do for us? And if we start with that and we look at, you know, what do we want three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Um, and then we can reverse engineer the things we do between now and then to get there. The challenge is, is that most of us don't even have time to think about that. And, and so time is the thing that we talk about a lot. And I would argue that it's not really just about time. It's also about energy. Because you probably have periods in your day, whether you want to admit it or not, when you might have time, but you often don't have the energy. So oftentimes, one of the most you know useful places for people to start is looking at, you know, what things are they doing when, and could they change that? So I talk a lot about um, one of the first things I, I encourage business owners to do when I work with them is to set aside an hour a week for thinking time. And it sounds really kind of like simple and simplistic, but you'd be amazed. I remember when I was practicing and one of my mentors said, hey, Dawn, okay, every Thursday at four o'clock, you're going to block off an hour on your calendar and you're going to think. I said, like, you're crazy. <laughs> First of all, I don't have an hour. <laughs> and what I'm going to, like, if I set aside an hour, like there are 12,000 other things I should be getting done. But he held me to it. He held me accountable. And I have to tell you that that hour a week changed my life because in that hour, I held space for myself to think about what did I really want out of my business? What did I want out of my life? Because I think, you know, as business owners, our business becomes our life. And that's not, a. am not saying that's a bad thing. I, I think that most of us get into it because we really love what we do and that's great, but it's how do you find, and I don't like to use the word balance because I think to me balance sounds like a seesaw or a teeter-totter and who's who's going to actually balance out work and the rest of your life. I think it's a matter of getting it all to work together. So I think getting clarity on what you really want is the first step. Once you really understand where you want to go, then it's important to have some sort of a plan an agile plan, albeit because things change, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. And if someone mm -hmm. had told us, we would have told them they were nuts. So it has to be agile, but we have to have some sort of a plan. And then we need to have some way of measuring our, uh, how we're tracking against that plan. So once we've got all that in place, then we need to make sure that we have, you know, systems and processes, the really unsexy stuff in place that helps us execute on that plan. Um, and, and then once we've got all that, we also need to make sure that we're showing up as leaders in a way that, you know, we talk about leading by example, but leading by example isn't just about, I can, I'm the hardest working person in the company. It's also about showing other people how they can have a life that includes their work experience and isn't just, you know, this or that. That was kind of a long answer to a short question. No, right? that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely, no, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely what I'm looking for. Right? And that, the, and those are, those are the themes that, um, those, the, those are the themes that I think um, you just, 
you just get you just get overlooking a lot of this stuff. I I I, I love the hour a day uh, or well I don't know if it was a day a week an hour a it week. It was an hour a week because uh, at first that sounds like a lot, you know. Yeah. Like ultimately it'll be more. But when you start, you have to start somewhere. So it's good to start small and then pick someone to be your accountability partner, whether it's a a spouse or a manager or you know someone in your organization or preferably someone outside of your organization who actually holds you accountable for it and make sure you're doing it. Oh, yeah, I get well, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably a good idea. So, like so find get, an accountability buddy because the thing is it's so easy to make excuses, but if you have someone who's holding you accountable. So I used to have a call with my mentor at five o'clock on Thursdays after I'd had my hour of thinking time. Right. So I knew I had to do it because I was going to have to tell him I didn't. And I was not right. having any problem with that. Like I'm an overachiever. I don't fail at stuff like that. <laughs> And most and most and most small business owners are being controlled by their by their uh, uh, assistant or by their receptionist or their secretary or or or, yep. or the production manager or somebody like that and uh, and uh, yeah they get them to lock you in a room uh, on Monday morning or whatever it is and uh, whenever and you have your best bandwidth because this is the yeah. other thing I think we talk a lot about time when I talk about time and energy I think about it as bandwidth right. Because like I said, you might have an hour, but you might be exhausted mm. and you might be so tired or so fried or whatever. So when's your best time? Like when do you do your best thinking and set aside an hour and block it on your calendar and make that like the golden rule? Yeah, I I, I, I like that. And, and, and my, my personal recommendation would be for everybody to take up smoking because that's when I'm able to go outside. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And get away from it all for a few minutes, and uh, and 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 have the deep thoughts. But uh, you know, maybe that's not for everyone. But it's, it might not be for everyone. No, it might not, might not be for everyone, especially in California, Don. That especially is in California. There's none of that. Like even outside, there are limits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you'll get, yeah, you'll get the you'll get the frowny face. But anyway, the frowny face. Yeah, yeah, that's so well. That's yeah. that's my life. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so, so one thing that I hear when I'm, when I'm, when I'm talking to my friends, uh, in, in, in the industry, uh, a lot is, uh, is, um, you know, uh, I, I would like to hand this off and that off to, to, to others. Um, uh, it's, it's difficult for me, uh, because I feel like the only, I'm the only one that can do this properly. Um, it, uh, and it, it's hard for me to, uh, uh, find trust within myself to, uh, have somebody else looking after these, these aspects of the business that are very, very important to me. Um, at, at, at businesses of a certain size, fine, I guess the owner can be doing everything or everything that, 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 that everybody around them is doing, but there comes a point where you really have to make that transition, isn't it, Don? And, and um, where, where, where do you, where do you see that in the life, I guess the sort of the life cycle of a business, where, where, where do you see that point where the, where the, where the owner has to, has to start stepping away and finding a way to hand off uh, uh, more of what he does down, down the chain? So that's kind of the catch 22, right? Cause I would argue that the sooner you learn to delegate stuff to someone, one, it's a muscle. The more you use it, the better you'll get at it. And, and two, if you want to grow past that sort of critical mass of one, mm -hmm. you are going to need to delegate because you need to have time to think about the big picture and to look at all the possibilities and do some strategic thinking, which you can't do if you are the one doing all of the things. Right. So, so that would be my first comment on that. Now, that sounds easy, but the reality is, as small business owners, we are control freaks for a reason. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we got to be where we are and how we got to be successful. So I'm not saying that it doesn't have a, um, a role. It does. It's part of what got you to where you are. But it does definitely stifle your ability to grow. It stifles your ability to lead well. Because there is a lot of value to others, not just to you, to delegating well. So delegating well for the leader means that obviously it frees up some time for them to do other things. First of all, like, for example, I love spreadsheets. Okay, Like I love, I, I love looking at financial statements and stuff. And I love doing all that stuff. How, however, I know. This is getting it? weird. This is getting oh. weird, folks. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting, we're going deep now. So <laughs> I say that, I say that, but that said, 
as much as I really, I, I like it, it, it tires me out. Mm. I am by nature, a high level thinker. So I am a 30,000 foot view person. I'm a strategist. That's where I am my most useful to others. And it's where I'm the happiest. I find spreadsheets and all this stuff really interesting. I know there's a lot of value in them, but honestly, I don't want to go in and plug in all the numbers. For many years in our practice, I not only plugged in the numbers, I would analyze everything and then I would try and present it in addition to doing all the other things. So I've done all of this wrong, okay? Like I'm the poster child for what not to do when running a small business, which is <laughs> one of the reasons that I that I am able now to bring so much value to other people because I've, I've done it. No judgment, right? Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that once you recognize what your strengths are and you focus on working in the areas that you're strongest in, instead of just trying to, you know, muck through the things you're not, not as good at. It's amazing how much leverage you get from using your strengths instead of trying to just constantly um, force yourself through doing things that you're not as great at, or even if you're good at them, you don't enjoy them. So I talk about thinking about what, first of all, what do you value? What brings you energy and what are you really good at? So a lot of people say, oh, well, as long as you're doing things that you're good at, that's good, right? And, and it is. But if you do things that you're good at and they bring you joy or they bring you energy, you're going to be even more productive. So for me, one of the most valuable things I did was finally giving up control of the books to a really, really good bookkeeper. It doesn't mean I didn't look at them. It doesn't mean that you know she didn't do things differently than I would have done them. But I learned how to show her what I needed from her so that I could feel good about letting go of it to a point. Now, when I talk about delegating, I'm not talking about abdicating. You still have to be responsible for the thing. But when you have someone in your organization and you're willing to and able to teach them how to do it, or even better, show them what results you need and let them figure out how to give it to you. Right. Not only does that free up your time, but more importantly, it gives them a role that feels purposeful to them. They feel like you need them and, and they're doing something important. And I think sometimes we miss the point on some of this stuff. It, would, it, would you like it all to be done exactly the way you do it? Sure. But does it really matter at the end of the day? I think one of the things that I've really learned to embrace is done is better than perfect. Because at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about strategy and all the things, but at the end of the day, stuff has to get done, right? You yeah. have to execute. And in order to execute, you have to have your team on board. They need to be helping support the process. So delegating is one, delegating, cross-training, all of those are really amazing ways to free up your time as a business owner. And they're hard in the beginning, but they're so worth it. And so many people benefit from them, not just you. It's not just a selfish thing. So the, yeah, don't this, get me started. I love delegation. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, well, this is, this, this is very excited and you've, yeah, exciting because uh, uh, you, you, you've touched on something that that's been a, a, a hobby horse of mine for quite a while. And, uh, and uh, you, you've triggered a pat rant. I should have like a, I should have like a, uh, I should have like should a, be lights a I should have a bell lights or something. I should have some kind of a music or a sound or something that goes off when this happens. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, the, the idea of of tell them what results you want, right? And then let them find the way to get it, right? This, tell me if you agree with this. That notion has been abused um, by a lot of the management fads and the management trends. I'm going to say starting probably in the 80s, uh, uh, going through the 90s, the whole... Um, uh, well, I, I'm because I've spent so much time in manufacturing. Um, um, I always think of the you know Toyota lean, you know all this stuff. Yep. Right? Yep. And everything is about everything is about turning people into, in my opinion, about turning people into robots. It's about yes. shaving tasks down to their absolute essences, stripping out any sense of waste, and giving people this program to follow. And and then you get all the tasks in your business lined up like this. And now every you know, and then you can juggle things around like an engineer playing with his his valve settings. And 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 I have just gone into total rebellion against this notion uh, uh, after hearing, honestly, consultant after consultant tell me about it for thirty years. Uh, uh, I what I like 
what I love and what I see people having the most success with is with is when they choose a person that they think is smart and that they think is is interested dedicated and and interested in the job and they say I need you to make a new plant for me over there. Yes. Go and yeah, go and, go. And, yeah, go and do that and and I will judge you harshly on the results that come yes. back. I will I will yes. I will pronounce judgment upon you yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 you know what it's shocking the the well, I mean, what what happens right and so listen i get that there are there are, there's a time and a place for everything right so i understand that there are some industries where where you know there's only so much room for error and you need but but in those cases it's usually a robot that's doing the job better yeah. so fine let's not focus on those things those things uh, you can use that but to your point I'd take that even a step further and say, yes, hire, like, I like to hire people that are smarter than me, mm. that are better at things than me. Like not having an ego about it can take you so far because there are so many, like, I am not the smartest person in the room. I would much rather be in a room where the people around me are much smarter and I can just make sure that they're really good at what I want them to do to your point. Now, the next thing I would say to take that even the next level further before I judge them, I would want to make sure that they come to me. I know you were saying it tongue in cheek, yeah. but, but you're right. You know, the thing is I'm going to delegate it to you and then I'm going to hold you responsible and I'm not going to abdicate authority. Right. At the end of the mm -hmm. day, I still, as the, you know, assuming you're the top dog, you, you still have authority, but I would say, come to me and tell me, what resources do you need? Because I want to set you up for success, right? So come to me and tell me what resources you need. And let, let's let's make sure you have the resources you need. Because I don't want you coming to me in, you know, three months and saying, well, I would have done this, but. And it's the other reason why I think that this whole idea of having a roadmap, give someone the thing and then have them come back to you and tell you, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is what I need. I don't care exactly how you're going to do it. As long yeah. as it's within, as long as we are all clear on what our mission, vision, and values are. And that's why I always start with that. I always start with making sure that the business owner has clarity across the organization on what the mission is, what we're trying to accomplish, and, and what's important to us. Because if you have those guardrails up, it takes a lot of the day-to-day -day management stuff out of the picture. Yeah. Because if everybody is thinking you know, thinking from the same place and trying to get to the same place, then you don't have to worry as much about somebody doing something that's, you know, way off base because they've got their eyes on the goal. So, yeah. So yeah, I think you give them the resources, whatever that is, if it's stuff, if it's people, if it's money, you, you figure it out. If it looks reasonable, you don't need to know the nitty gritty of how they're going to do it. You don't want the nitty gritty. You just want to know that they're playing within the rules that we've set out, we've got, we've got guardrails. This is, this is how we operate. Mm -hmm. If it's within those guardrails, have at it, you know, well, let's yeah. get it done. And, and the, 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 the other, uh, uh, I think nasty secret in that is you will retain people when you do yes. this because that, that I, I remember I, I actually wrote an editorial about it a couple of years ago. Uh, 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 you know, they, they did some study of uh, uh, heart disease in Britain. This was like in the seventies and, yeah. and, and they go to the civil service and they, um, and, and they say, well, we're going to find out how job stress creates, creates heart disease. Uh, uh, and, and we're going to, and, and so what we expect to find, and of course they went with the British civil service because they have everything. They have everything from the very lowest level menial tasks, all the way up to very, very high paid executives who are, you know, whatever, who are, who are practically government agents, right? And they said, well, we're going to find the most heart disease uh, uh, in the top levels because they have the most stress. They have the most responsibility. They have the most on their plate. They must be the ones with the most heart disease. Completely wrong. The heart disease went went down as you, as you went up the chain uh, almost invariably. And then they, and the, anyways, this is taking too long, but, but, but anyways, what they, what they found out was it's not the amount of work you have. It's not how hard you work. It's not how many hours you put in. It's whether you have control over your job. It's whether you yes. have control over what you do all day long as you go along. And if you give people control, they are not stressed. 
and they are not unhappy. They may be working their asses off, but they are not. But they're present. not unhappy. And I think that you brought up a great point. And there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Pig, but he's done some great work on uh, motivation. And he talks about the three keys to keeping people motivated are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And if you have those three things, and it's exactly what you're talking about, autonomy, give them some control, let them decide how to do it. Um, mastery, make sure that you're offering the kind of training that they need or opportunity to improve their skill set. People want to do better. Listen, you're going to have a whole faction. You're, I, I can hear people rolling their eyes in the background and, and saying, oh, well, you know, most of my people, you know, they just want to show up and get their paycheck. To... So one thing I would say about that is be sure, because be sure that that's not your story for them. Mm. Because for a lot of people, I think we do a really good job of assuming that we know where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And far be it for us to want to blame ourselves for not giving them the opportunity, right? There are some people that are never going to change. And most of the time you'll know them. They're, they're, they just do want to show up, get the, get the paycheck. But I tell you, there are so many more people out there, especially there are a lot of young people out there that are looking for a purpose. Mm -hmm. So if you give them a purpose and you give them the opportunity to learn, they love to learn. They mm -hmm. love to learn more stuff. And then the most important one to your point is let them figure out how to do it yeah. and give them some flexibility. You know, I think we, so I, I come from a generation that was, you know, well, you know, we had to pay our dues. And if you don't pay your dues, you know, to, there is something to be said for learning curve, right? Like when you first start out in something that you're really passionate about and that you really want to learn about, there's definitely a learning curve. And if you apply yourself and do more of it early on, sure, you're going to learn faster and you're going to get better faster. Awesome. And, yeah. and at some point, You've got the how figured out, right? Like you can do the thing. You're very proficient at it. You're really good at it. So give someone else a chance to learn how to do it. Give someone else a chance to, to go through that learning curve and then stop making it all about who can do it the longest, the hardest, the fastest, the whatever. Mm. Everybody comes at things a little bit differently. I think this whole thing about, you know, the great resignation and people not wanting to come back to work this is something that if we don't change the way we think about how we manage our people, it's this problem is not going to go away. We have a whole, we have generations of people coming behind us who do not uh, value the way that we have gone about work. Uh, wow. I, I mean, that's a You blew my mind because... because <laughs> Images of my 18-year-old and 22-year-old daughter just came flooding into my head. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, the attitude towards work and and not that they're hard, they're, they're, they're hard workers. They, they've worked since they're 15, both of them. They, 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 they're, they're great. But, 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 but I'll tell you, yeah, this, this notion that, you know, you would, you would put yourself at the service of the company and take your lumps for, for a period of time uh, before you feel like you have enough uh, uh, experience or authority or something built up to start di dictating a term or two in your in your employment conditions. No, 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 no. We're 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 starting now with that. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I I mean, and it's been coming for a while, and I think I know we fought it for a while. Um, it just you can fight it all you want. The yeah. reality is that we have to as um, employers and leaders, we have to change. I mean, you don't have to, you can keep doing the same thing the same way, but you are going to continue to struggle with attracting and retaining talent because other people are going to change. Other people are going to adapt. And so this whole thing about, you know, we chatted about a little bit before we started about this idea of working from home. And it, it's, it's a, it's a big bone of contention. And yet, why? I mean, think of, there are a lot of economies that you can get from having people work from home. Right. And, and if you let them, if that works for them, now there are some people it doesn't work for, but if that works for them, there are ways that you can figure out, and obviously not all jobs can be done from home. Yeah. Like you can't do a lot of service businesses no. if you are yeah. actually in a place where the service is yeah. happening. <laughs> but there are people that work in the background that do you care? Like, do, do you really care how they get it done, if they get it done really, really well, and it's cost-effective for you, 
does it matter if they do it in their pajamas? Like, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I, I hire a lot of contract workers for various things now. And I, I don't want to know when they're doing it or how they're doing it. I just yeah. want it done. And if they can do it faster and better, I'll even pay them more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, crazy, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So, and I think this is another thing where we've gotten very caught up in this, this whole idea of paying people by the hour. Like you've got a value on the hour. I get it. Easy to track. Um, you know, easy to create metrics around, but there are some instances where it's not the best way to motivate people. Hmm. Um, because think about it, there's a little bit of a disincentive. If you give me a, a project, for example, right? You give me a project. Now, again, it depends on the industry and it depends on what you're talking about. You give me a project um, and I can only make money if it takes me more hours or if I charge you more per hour. Well, yeah. I, I mean- so where's the incentive for me to get it done in a timely fashion? Would you rather have me, no, you don't want me rushing through it just for the sake of it. But if you hire the right person to do the right thing, I, I just think there are different ways of looking at things that we traditionally have not looked at that we have to start considering. I got to, I got to. I got to go to my manufacturing guys and, 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 and ask about that a little bit because, because there's, there's so much in, um, especially in a manufacturing setting where it could be project, it, it can be attached to project. And I know a, a lot of bonuses and a lot of extras are, but people always still seem to get an hourly pay, but I'm kind of like, 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 yeah. What, what, what if it was a case of, look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to need 10,000 skid steers this year. Um, you know, uh, I'll pay, hey. I'll pay you guys. I'll, 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 I'll pay you, you know, uh, fifty thousand dollars if you if you can if you can get me to ten thousand skid steers you know I like why not right I mean I, right I, I, I mean why not and I think why not is because we don't quite know how to I, there there are, I'm sure other good reasons and manufacturing is not my forte although I was yeah we'd have to I, I, I'm, I'm I was a talking. welder and an auto parts manufacturer for yeah. a while so I get how the how the lines work but I will tell you like. If you're sitting there doing an hourly thing, you know, you can do it slower or you can do it faster mm -hmm. and still have quality. Like mm -hmm. there are things that can move more efficiently, even at the line level and not just with robots and stuff. And, and I'm not saying we want people zipping through their jobs either, but I just think that bigger picture, there are certainly areas of one's business where we could be looking at how we compensate differently, looking at how we, um, you know, leverage our resources a little bit differently. I do think that in any kind of service industry where, like, if you think about um, uh, architects or um, engineers who are working on projects, you know, charging an hourly rate for a project versus charging a rate for the project. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I would much rather pay you what it takes for you to do the thing. And I know we can talk about scope creep and all the things different, yeah. stuff, but I would much rather pay you and know what I'm paying you to get the thing than to have you say, Oh, well, it took me, you know, eight hours to run the cat on this. And it's like when you get the, the bill from the, a lot of lawyers, right. They charge you for 15 minutes that they took to copy something. I'm like, really? Yeah. Can't you just charge me for the thing? And then you figure out the incidentals. I don't it would be less to... annoying. <laughs> That's annoying, right? People would like it better. You know so what I mean, would happen? But... You know what would happen in a manufacturing plant if you went per project? You'd have uh you'd have fights on the floor. Uh you would. You because, would because it would be, I'm not getting paid because you're dogging it over there on the weld yeah. line. You would down you here would. on the paint line and you're going too slow. Yeah. You would. I I was thinking about that. Yeah, because you know, yeah. some of them just take longer. Yeah, they it, it would be a problem. Yeah, all right. Okay. Forget there that idea. Forget that, that idea. Are not, there are certain areas that are not ready for that. But if yeah. you think about, you know, some of your so especially some of the admin duties that you know are happening in the background. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff that uh I'm not saying that you you know, you shouldn't pay hourly for anything. That's not kind of, I kind of went off on a tangent on that, but I do think there, that there's a lot of opportunity for us to think differently about the way we incentivize people right? and think differently about the way we motivate them. Yes. So to your point, autonomy is a big one, whether it's flexible scheduling or flexible, you know, how they do the work or how they get it done. There's a lot, it goes a long way to motivate people. Money's not enough anymore. Like even right. if you pay them up the yin yang, the problem is that that there 
are, I'm not saying nobody's motivated by money, but money is not as motivating. It doesn't seem for a lot of people as it used to be. Um, it yeah. just doesn't. Yeah, we have it. We, we, we have it a little easier, but I, I think there's always been, I think there's always been some people that have been very focused and motivated by money and that's all you needed to give them. And there's, and there's other people that, sim that simply are not to, to, yeah. to the point about people and personalities. When, when, when we're looking to do these handoffs and we're, and we're, and we're looking to, to, to delegate and entrust people with more responsibility in our organization to make things run better and make our lives better and, and make us more able to strategize and think about it. Um, is there a formula Don, for the, for the, for the kind of person you're looking for there or, or, or is it, is it, is it a different answer for every company? I think it's a different answer for per company and per, per, what you're trying to delegate, right? Mm -hmm. I think the key is what you talked about is you want to make sure that you have your, first of all, you don't want to set someone up for failure. So don't delegate something to someone that you know, they're not capable of doing. Right. They either don't have the skill. They don't have the uh, temperament. They don't have the um, bandwidth or the time. So you have to make sure that you, you delegate as you would want to be delegated to. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the key is you mentioned it, find someone who's really good at the thing. And sometimes it's a matter of, you know, running some simple assessments, like what are their strengths? Because people are not always the best judge of what they're good at or, or what their strengths are. Most people have a, you know, somewhat of an awareness around it, but there are some really simple like Gallup strengths finder. I'm not a big personality test person. Cause I think that people often rely on personality tests as an excuse for why they don't do something well. But I am a strong believer in the idea that if you know your strengths and you can play to them, you are going to be more productive. And, and that goes all the way down the line. So sometimes it's a matter of assessing what someone's really good at. Maybe you know. Um, and then, again, making sure that you give them the structure is identifying the right person, giving them the right resources, giving them the right training, and then being very clear on the results you want, if it's time bound, when you need it by, and how you're going, how they're going to know that they got the right result. Because really what you want is to communicate very, very clearly so that they can achieve what you want them to. What I see too often is, is it's like, a, oh, well, I want you to take over this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and oftentimes they're just really excited. They're like, oh, like a little puppy dog, like, oh, yeah, I get to go take over this. But if that's what you tell them, your idea for what it is you want the outcome to be is still stuck in your head and they have no idea what it is. Right. Their idea for what they think you want could be completely different. So, so I think that there's so much opportunity there to um, really get clear. Communication matters. And that's really you know, I mean, it's easy to say harder to do, but it's really important. And if you just go in with that in mind, that structure of the right person with the right resources and a very clear out defined outcome, then there's not as much training involved at that point, you know, yeah, for sure. The other thing that I think is really, really helpful. I talk a lot about the fall down factor, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but one of the biggest challenges that small business owners face is that they are the center of the business, right? Mm -hmm, right. Like everything revolves around them. Mm -hmm. And even if they're not doing all the things, like they are the thing. Like if they if they took a month off for whatever reason, because they had no choice, they had to look after a loved one, they got sick, they fell down. That's why I call it the fall down factor. Like they fall down and they're out for a month. Like legitimately their business might fail. Right. Right. Okay. So there's there are two things. There's two pieces to that, right? There's the one where we think it'll fail without us because we want to be that important, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's face it, we're used to being the most important person in the room or the most responsible at the very least. And and there's something about that that feels reassuring, right? Well, they need me. But at the end of the day, if you have a really well-run business, even if you fell down or went away for a month on vacation or or just decided to step away for a month to let other people do the thing, everything would thrive. And when you're in the thick of it, that sounds like an impossibility, but it's possible. It takes some effort and it takes some doing, but not only is it possible, but it's worthwhile because your business isn't worth anything if you are the business. 
Right. Right. You can't take a month off and you are forced to take a month off or something. Imagine how much stress that puts not on, not just on you, but on everyone in your organization, everyone in your family, all of the things. So the kind of things that you can do to prevent that from being an issue also by happenstance, make your business more valuable if you decide at some point that you want to leave it for good or if you want to sell pieces of it to someone or you know whatever so the beauty of decentralizing yourself from your business is that you're no longer your business is is no longer um constrained by you mm-hmm. and and you are have a more diversified role where you can drive culture, you can focus on developing systems and processes. If you want to expand, you have the bandwidth to look at, you know, what it might look like to acquire other businesses and and bolt them onto what you're doing. Or um, like, there are so many things that you could do, or you could take a vacation, crazy. So so I think that that's one of the biggest, um, the biggest challenges we have. And once you decentralize yourself, you also free up time and bandwidth to do more thinking about what you might want to do. And God, you might see your family. You might not miss out on the soccer games or the, you know, hockey games or whatever it is that you want to do with your family or the family vacations or the holidays. But even more importantly to what we were talking about before, it also gives opportunity to others. Yeah. It it really does. And so this whole idea of talent retention, which is a problem across the board. I mean, I think one of the big, biggest problems that most businesses are facing right now is this idea of attracting and retaining talent. And, you know, a big part of that is, is the culture. And if you're the one who has to be in control of the time, especially in a small business, because, you know, people don't think about culture in a small business because they think, oh, we're too small to worry about all that, you know, big corporate talk. I tell you in a small business, Toxic leadership is even more toxic than in a big business because there's no there's no buffer. There's yeah. no buffer. Yeah. There's no buffer. Every you know, everywhere I've ever worked, everywhere I've ever worked, you can you can you can see the uh personality of the people at the very top of the business filtering, yep. filtering its way down through the business. And this is often this could be very large corporations. Very yeah. large corporations with with changes at the executive level. After a few months, you'll start to you'll start to smell the change around the office wherever yeah. you are. And 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 in small businesses, of course, it's just it's it's just a direct conduit to the base of the brain of the of the of the owner. And 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 it's all it's all happening right there. So so yeah, that, that's that's a that's a that's a, a an excellent point. And you know what, I want to stay on on this idea too of um, of how some of this works into um, your 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 future plans, whether it be selling the business or retiring, um, which yeah. is a position a, a, a lot of my uh, a lot of people listening right now will be in. Um, thinking about, you know, what, what happens, right? Decentralized, what happens when they're not there and, and not just not there for a month or because they fell down when they're really not there, when, when they're, they're really not there, yeah, when they're well, right yeah. out, right? How do you get ready for that? So, and I think that's a really important point because I think that a lot of small business owners, especially are very concerned with legacy, yeah. right? Like they poured their heart and soul, blood, sweat, and tears into their business and they want it to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, the challenge is, is that we have a younger generation of people that may not be as interested as buying into a business and owning a business and having all of that, you know, to deal with, mm-hmm. especially if it's on top of student debt and all the things. Right. So I, I think that the most important thing to do is to take time and think about it because retirement now is is different. Right. We're living longer, hopefully. Right. Um, we're living longer. We're looking at a longer time horizon for how long we're going to live. Um, and, and so to your point about thinking about the long-term career business, I think it's important to know a couple of things. Um, the Exit Planning Institute has actually done a lot of surveys around this stuff and so have some other organizations, but only 20% of businesses that go to market actually sell. Hmm. Of the of family-owned businesses, according to the um, Family Firm Institute, only 30% of family businesses survive to the second generation. So, and and you think, oh my God, like that sounds That's, crazy. There yeah. are lots of businesses that have, but you know, like when you look at the statistics overall, this is what you're dealing with. And 
part of it has to do with the fact that about two thirds of business owners don't even know what their exit options are. And a lot of business owners don't even want to think about an exit plan. Even if they have time to think about it, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to feel like they're becoming irrelevant. They don't want to feel like they're getting old and they should be thinking about retirement, right? Well, like Logan Roy, do we call that the Logan Roy? Logan Roy, the, the Roy Logan Roy, Roy effect. Like, okay, so for anybody who hasn't watched Succession, yeah. if you watch even a little bit of Succession and you think that it's overblown, I can tell you from personal experience, it's legit. Like yeah. that stuff happens now, maybe on a different scale, wow, but yeah. that kind of internal stress and turmoil. And it's not just in family businesses. It's in any business where you're trying to create a succession plan and you haven't thought about it ahead of time and you haven't put the time in. And, and it doesn't mean that you have this. Here's the thing about, you know, exit planning or succession planning, if you will, really it's just business strategy, right? Because really at the end of the day, a business that you that, that someone would like to buy is probably a business you'd like to keep running because mm. it makes money. It doesn't, it doesn't have you at the center of it. Cause let me promise you, nobody wants to buy your business. If you are, you are integral to the business. If they do, they're going to want you to stay on for a long time. They're going to want to see what that succession plan is going to be like. And then you're going to be working for someone else because you're basically selling a job at that point, not a business. Right. So, so this whole idea of decentralizing, whether you are planning to exit now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now, now is the time to start planning because it benefits your organization and it benefits you. So when you start talking about, you know, well, if I'm thinking about an exit plan, you know, a couple of things are runway. The more runway you have, the more options you have. The more runway you have, the more opportunity you have to make your business more valuable to the type of buyer you want to sell to whether that's internally, like, uh, you know, uh, someone who's already in your organization or someone in your family or, you know, doing something more complicated like an ESOP, um, you know, like some sort of stock ownership plan for employees or externally, like a strategic buyer or, you know, a, a private equity group or somebody coming in to buy you. Hmm. So no matter what your exit strategy might end up being, if you have a business that you are planning to exit at some point, it's really just going to make your strategy for running your business on a day-to-day -day basis much better. Hmm. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, I think people really shy away from wanting to plan that because it's sort of like it's like you know when you go prepay your funeral or something. You know, like nobody wants to think about planning that, right? But the problem is if you wait until you're ready to exit it's probably too late. Unless you're the exception to the rule, it's probably too late to get the most value you could get out of your business and to have the type of exit that you want to have. You know, at the end of the day, almost anybody can get out. You can get out and you can get money. You can get liquidity value for whatever stuff you have. But most people, that's not what they want. Most people want to leave a legacy. They want something that's going to continue on after they leave, right? So- yeah. Yeah, one of my columnists, one of my columnists put put it. Uh, you, you didn't you didn't run this business. You, you didn't kill yourself running this business for thirty years so that you could basically have an auction of stuff that you bought. You know what I mean? Like like exactly. You didn't do it to run a run a garage sale. You know? No, <laughs> like, no. Who wants to do that? Who yeah. wants to do that? And yeah. so I think I think you know the the other reason why it's important to start planning not just for what you want from your business but what you want from your personal life is a couple of important points. Oftentimes, you know, 70 to 90% of a small business owner's wealth or a business owner's wealth is locked up in their business. Okay? So you sit down with your financial planner to talk about your retirement plan and they're like, "Oh, well, what about your business? What's your business worth?" So you pull some number out of the air cuz that's what you think it should be worth right? That's what it's worth to you. So they plunk that on your balance sheet, right? They plug that into their software for your, your retirement savings plan. And, and so you're making all sorts of decisions about your long-term plan on fuzzy math, mm. because the reality is you don't really, unless you've had a business valuation done, unless you've looked at all the things, you don't really know what your business is worth. Could be worth more, could be worth less. And I think that that's something that that is really worth thinking about and getting an understanding of sooner rather than later. Because oh. the other part that a lot of business owners don't realize is that 
regardless of what kind of business you're in, when you look at selling your business or getting a value on your business, about 80% of the value of your business is actually wrapped up in intangible factors like people, culture, systems and processes and IP and your customer base. So, you know, how, like, what's your customer concentration like? Do you only have a couple of, you know, really big customers and, or, or a couple of really big recurring customers, or do you have your customer base spread out over a lot of uh, smaller customers? Like, these are the kind of things that buyers are going to look at. And when they're deciding how much they want to pay you, the beauty of that is that those are things that you can actually influence. You can right. actually have some control over those things. And so rather than that being a bad thing, it's an opportunity, right? It's yeah. an opportunity for you to improve upon those things, make your business more valuable to someone else and more valuable to yourself. Yeah. What are your thoughts on venture capital, Don? Um, I've, I've seen companies have two experiences. Um, one experience is um, they get uh, 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 they get a big investor uh, venture capital outside the industry, not not particularly having any contact with uh, with what they do uh, technically outside of their due diligence. Um, they they get a big whack of money. People feel um, uh, uh, controlled. Uh, main people uh, leave. Um, there's, uh, there, 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 there's, there's a feeling like, uh, uh, the bean counters are controlling everything and ruining their lives. Uh, the budgets are pinched. Uh, you know, the story uh, on and on. It's a, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad tale and, and, and things end in tears, uh, quite often. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there's the experience where the, the venture capital comes in. Um, the guys, even if they aren't from the industry, uh, or girls are, are dropping in, uh, uh, uh to the office. They are expressing a huge interest in learning uh, about what the company that they've picked up is doing. Um, they 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 give the kind of autonomy we're talking about to the to the people at the top of the company and say, "Hey, you know, we're we're, we're here to share in your success. Tell us what you need, uh, and go uh, forth as you as you know how to do." My question, Don, is how do you know before you make the deal with the venture capital company which 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 of these two ways they're going to be? Is there any way to know? I think there is. I think that, I, and to your point, it does depend, right? Because mm -hmm. it matters who the players are. It's not just about the money and the cultural fit is a big deal. Yeah. So when, so when we had our practice, we eventually were invited to join a group of 30 something uh, vet practices across the U S and we merged our practice in with theirs. And then we went on to grow that. And so as as we were talking to other practice owners, you know, one of the big things we were looking for was cultural fit. So, and then we were ultimately acquired by a much bigger corporate aggregator that had a, you know, a different approach than we did. And so, so to your point, like when you take money from someone, you have to know that they're going to expect something in return. And I say that tongue in cheek, the problem is, you really do have to get very clear on who's going to be playing with you in the sandbox mm -hmm. because it matters. I know I've been in deals where people were willing to take less money to have the right person, like the right group come in because it was really important to them that their employees stay. It was really important to them that their customers were happy. There are other people that will just take the money and run and, you know, be damned with the consequences. And so I think that's a very personal thing, but what's important and what I did not do, um, what I didn't do in my experience was I didn't get enough outside information in some of the, some of the decisions that I made where it could have really helped me. Like there are people out there who know the players, yep. they know the players. So if you're going to sell your business, you you're going to make that kind of a commitment or sell part of it, you know, sell little bites of the apple and you're going to stay around. You want to be darn sure that you know who's going to be pulling the strings, if you will, and how they're going to do it. So it's really about doing your own due diligence. I think sometimes people come in and wave a bunch of dollar bills and you're like, Ooh, so exciting. Wow. They, they want me. Doesn't mean they're the right group for you. And so I think that, it behooves you to find someone in your industry who is very familiar with the players 
that you're talking to and make sure you have some outside rep representation. Absolutely. One of, the things I, one of the things I like to do with, um, you, you know, my sort of um, thing is that sometimes it's really good to almost have a quarterback who is doing some of that for you and making sure that whatever language they're talking and you're talking, you're really hearing. It's like taking an advocate with you to a doctor's appointment when you find out there's really something wrong. You have someone who who doesn't have that emotional involvement and who and who has experience on both sides of the of the equation who can listen and really hear. Because mm. sometimes what you think they're saying, what you're hearing is what you want to hear, right? And you're like, oh yeah, but they said this. And like, yeah, but they also said this. Did you hear that part? You know, yeah. and I think that's a big part of it. So it really is about being your own advocate, doing your due diligence, you know hire professionals who know what they're doing in in that space like spend the money the one thing i'll tell you is that it your business is a huge chunk of your net worth most likely it's worth investing in having people help you figure out what the right path is and i'm not saying me i mean it sounds kind of trite coming from me but but for me like you know i bring in if I'm working with a business, I bring in specialists. I bring in lawyers who specialize in whatever it is we're trying to accomplish. Uh, financial planners who specialize in that piece of it because the personal, the personal plan and the personal financial plan are at least as important as the outcome for the business because um, there are some statistics that show that 75% of business owners profoundly um, regret their decision a year after selling their business because they didn't make it a life after plan. They're like, now what? Who am I? What's my identity? They go out to dinner with their friends and they're like, well, what do you do with new people? And they're like, well, what do you do? Well, um, I play golf. Not yeah. there's anything like that. Like, and some people are super happy with that. And that's how you planned it. Then terrific. You go, you do you. But most business owners are not wired that way. So they need to know what the next chapter is. And that's part of what I, I think is very, a very important part of making an exit plan is really knowing what, what you need financially, what you need personally and what you want personally, and then how your business can fill that gap for you. It's a level of Zen that very few people that have started and run uh, first business, uh, uh, small businesses can, uh, can, can, can get to. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you, you really need to, uh, you really need to be able to, to be comfortable and not be dad uh, showing up at the office uh, uh, <laughs> 20 years after he retired. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm doing my quote fingers. Uh, hey, listen, you can go start, you can go. I mean, sometimes what or it do is- do something else, yeah. Doing something else. Yeah, sometimes yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I always wanted to yeah. this and, yeah. and something different. And yeah. it gives, especially in a family run business, gives your, if, if your kids, God, be grateful if you know they're really interested in taking the business on. Woohoo! Because then you've got an internal buyer, which may not give you as much money, but man, you know, like it's a much better chance that it's actually going to get sold. So yep. find something else that you're really excited about doing. Let them have a turn and go do your thing. Because 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 it does drive your kids crazy that they're coming in, no oh, matter yeah. what a happy face they're putting on, Dad. It's, <laughs> it drives it's them driving, crazy. It's driving them insane. Not need you coming saying, "Well, when I did it, <laughs> yeah. you know, well I used to, or well I wouldn't have done." That's good, honey, but I wouldn't have done it that way, yeah. and nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I I I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. I've I've, I've seen businesses where Dad is Dad is fine and quite welcome or mom. And, and our mom and or mom. Our, mom, our mom oh yes you're we, right or we mom. have trouble letting go too well mom mom, <laughs> mom is you know you know it's funny moms are better at it uh we are uh, we yeah are. moms come back in and 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 are and and are somehow able to be helpful without I don't know. Yeah, having stepping sort on toes of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, the moms have a, are, are better at that. Uh, oh, one thing, one thing, if I could give yeah. you one like little nugget, one thing yeah. that I did, like a little, like a little um, exercise I did a long time ago that I thought was really valuable. It's super simple. You know, I said, I like spreadsheets, yeah. but anyway, take a spreadsheet and put the years across the top. So we're in 2023, 2023, 2024, 2025, you know, each, column along the top is a year. And then along the side, you know, put, put your family members and their ages. Okay. And then their ages change across the thing. 
And then you start looking at milestones and you start plugging in the milestones along the bottom. Well, what's, what's going to happen? Oh, so like when my kids got their driver's license, right? It does a number of things. For one, it really makes you look at like, you know, if your spouse is the same age as you, maybe they're not, maybe they're older or they're younger than you. When you start looking at, you know, what time you have remaining, like how much quality time remaining you have, it really gives you an opportunity to think big picture about, I, I also have another tab where I keep track of, you know, some people call it bucket list, but like things I want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So that I can then prioritize them and plug them in because the years fly by, they just zip by. Right, right. right. And so if you look at it and I go back to it all the time, I have it sitting on the desktop on, on my computer, on my laptop and it sits there. And every once in a while I pull it up and I go, okay. So now my kids are, you know, 16 and 18, one's going off to college. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, how did this happen? But I know because I've already looked at the milestones. I knew when they were going to start driving and I had to think about, you know, how many cars do we have and, you know, all the things like, there's so many ways that you can leverage it, but just doing that and thinking about it really gives you an interesting perspective on where you are in life and, you know, what, how your business fits into that. I'm going to I'm going to confess to you, Don. That sounds utterly terrifying. But, <laughs> but you know it what? Tell you do it anyway. It, it sounds terrifying, <laughs> but you know it's kind of like anything that you don't really want to do. It sounds awful until you do it, and you're like, "Oh, I'm glad I did." Yeah, then yeah, then you go. Oh, that was that, was, that was actually not a bad idea. It was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Give it a I go. It. Give it a go. <laughs> Don Bloomer, I am I'm 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 conscious of your time. Uh, and I'm conscious of our listeners' time. We're uh, we, we've had a great long conversation here. You know what we've managed to do, Don? We've managed to what? go through this entire thing without saying even I, I believe what your organization is called or 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 oh. or, or, or. Well, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a side. You know, I mean, I, 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 I don't know, in case anyone's interested. Uh, in case anyone's interested, you can yeah. find me at productivepressure.com. Productive pressure is the name of my business. It comes from being a veterinarian with, for racehorses and realizing that, you know, you need a certain amount of pressure to make them go fast, not too much so they don't get hurt. So productive pressure. So Very I believe in, in pressure. Pressure is good. Pressure is not bad. So. so if anybody has if anybody has questions for Dawn, would like her help with any of the things that we've talked about today, totally encourage you, productivepressure.com. Uh, 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 go and reach out. And uh, Don, I just want to thank you very much for uh, for such a great conversation and all your insights. And, you know, I feel like we've only scratched the surface, so I might have to do it again sometime. Awesome. Would love to. Had a great time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Don. Thanks for joining us for Counter Talks. You can find Counter Talks episodes online at CanadianRentalService.com or on the major podcasting services. Counter Talks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine.